0: And welcome back to Terminator 101. I'm Eddie Green. This is a very exciting episode. I'm so, so pumped for you guys to hear it. But before we get into the introduction for it, a couple quick updates. The first, I'm ecstatic to share with you guys. I am going to be doing my first live stream on my YouTube channel coming up in just about two weeks or so. And it's going to be on February 19th, 2019. Okay, so mark your calendars, February 19th, 2019 at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is when the live stream is going to be happening, so head on over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash terminator101podcast. And if you're not already subscribed, hit the subscribe button, turn on the little notification bell, that way you don't miss anything, but put this on your calendar because this is going to be a fucking awesome live stream, it's my first ever, and it's just going to be an all out talk of anything Terminator related, so I hope every single one of you guys listening will join me and can participate in the live chat, that would be awesome. If you need any updates on this stuff, if you want to follow it, head on over to the Facebook page for the podcast, which is on Facebook at T101podcast. All the information is going to be over there. The event is actually going to be over there. You can join it over there as well. You know, hit that you're going to be going. And it's going to be so much fun. I really hope to see every single one of you guys over there for the first ever Terminator 101 live stream. The second thing. Today, I mailed a package. Yes, you're probably thinking, okay, Eddie, great, why do I care? Well, it's because I sent that package to William Wisher. Now that him and I, you know, have a friendship, we have a connection going because of our episode, I said, hey, listen, can I just send you a couple things in my collection and maybe get you to sign them? And he said, absolutely, send them, I'll sign them, and I'll send them right back to you. And uh, here's my address. So, I am so excited. He's going to be uh, signing the Terminator 1 novelization that he co-wrote, and he's also going to be signing my Terminator 2 screenplay, which is like a Bible to me. So, I'm so excited, and uh, just wanted to share that stuff with you guys. But before I get, you know, too, uh, too excited and just forget to introduce this episode, this is a fun one coming up here. We're going to be breaking down mine and my guest... Uh, Mikey, we're both going to be breaking down our top five scenes from either Terminator or Terminator 2. It can be from either film. And um, I reached out to him. I said, hey, do you want to come on? He said, absolutely. I said, okay, here's what I want to talk about. He said, okay, great. And we came up with our lists. Now I've actually had this list in my head for quite some time. He actually had to, I think, spontaneously put one together because he's not a die-hard Terminator fan like I am, but he is very, very well-versed, because I've, you know, introduced him to Terminator. I was the one that showed him these films, and he's a fan now. But, um, anyways, guys, enjoy this episode. Hit me up on, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at T101Podcast, and like I said, February 19th, 2019, at 6.30pm, Eastern Standard Time, Terminator 101's first-ever live stream. Stay tuned, everybody. Don't go anywhere. After these sponsors, we're coming right back. All right, here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Terminator 101. Welcome back to a very special episode because I am not alone. Typically, I'm alone, and uh, or I'll have a guest, but... That's not that frequent. Normally, I do this podcast by myself because that's just the way I prefer it. But every once in a while, I reach out to a friend, a colleague, and I say, hey, do you want to be my co-host for an hour? And we'll shoot the shit and we'll hopefully make an entertaining episode. And I reached out to um, my friend Mikey, who has uh, actually been on the podcast before. He was on the Terminator 2 commentary, which is uh, one of the least... Listen to episodes and i think it's because of him so first of all fuck him second of all just kidding
1: (laughs) (laughs) no it's okay least mute i get it i get it
0: (laughs) i'm kidding i'm kidding it's actually one of the most listened to so that's actually really good um oh wow and i think it has to do with you and your voice and people not being you know irritated by your voice so that's great that's Um, great. Yeah, so anyways, I reached out to him. I said, Hey, let's come on and uh and uh we'll uh we'll 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 talk and we'll see what, what happens. So uh he is on the other end of the line here. Uh Mikey, say hello to all the uh all the fine folk listening.
1: Hello everybody. I'm very happy to be on this podcast today. Uh Eddie is a good friend, as he said already. Um but I'm excited to talk about some Terminator. Let's do this.
0: You there? Yep, I'm here. Okay. It's having some technical difficulties, so hopefully
1: this gets resolved. Am I coming through? You're coming through. Okay, how do I sound?
0: Alright. Yep. Okay, you sound okay. I sound okay? Loud enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, sorry about that. All good. Alright. That's fine. Fu- fucking Skynet. God damn it. Stay out of my life. Um
1: It's real people.
0: Just really quickly, tell everybody because you uh, you told me not too long ago something that you're working on, and uh, uh, if you want to, just really quickly because Mikey is a Mikey is a when he was on the Terminator two commentary, I told everybody that he's a um, actor and he is going to school for acting. So, um, what are you doing currently that you are very excited about?
1: Um, well, I'm actually doing a lot, but the thing I'm, one of the things I'm most excited about is, uh, I realized, you know, I, I took a second to think, uh, cause I had this idea and I'm like, holy crap, I've got a friend who wants to be a director. He's going to the same school as I am. Right. So he knows, uh, he knows a bit about cinematography and editing. Um, and I have this idea that I want to write for a story and I know several talented actors and actresses. So I'm like. I can actually turn this idea into a film and I have all the resources I need to make it happen. Um, So I will be um, writing, directing, and apparently now starring in my own film. Uh, I don't know what the length is looking like yet. At first I thought it was gonna be a short film, but um, I was told by a colleague that um, if you reach the 30 to 45 minute mark, it actually becomes a feature length. so it might even be that long, but I have to see. The more I get into the script,
0: nice, dude, nice. Yeah, because when he told me, he told me it was going to be a short film. So now it's going to be a a feature
1: length. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not going to get to an hour. I I highly doubt that. But it's looking yeah like it might be in the thirty to forty five minute mark. So damn. So you're so you are a bona fide Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> well, I hope not. <laughs> In the sense that I hope, at the very least, uh, this movie engages people in a different way. (laughs) But um, I'm excited about it. Um, And uh, I I created a deadline for myself to work faster. Obviously, I'm not going to rush or push this out if it needs more time. But to light a fire under myself, I said, okay, so I'll finish the script uh, this school semester. Over the summer, I'll do all my planning. So for like uh, where I'll be shooting, all the people I'll be working, collaborating with, that'll get planned over the summer. And then by fall, I'll film. So that's the timeline I'm looking at.
0: Nice, nice, dude. Well, hey, listen, I mean, you, you, you know you have my support and uh, I just Absolutely. wanted every everybody listening because hopefully um, you're going to start
1: getting your social
0: media presence going here and then yeah, we I'm can... I'm
1: going to have to start trying for sure, way, way harder because... Uh, you know i need to connect you know as i form an audience i want to connect with them so i'm going to try to start uh you know showcasing my stuff so
0: yeah exactly and so whenever you figure out whatever your i don't know your at username is i can put that in the description of the episode so if people uh, so, want to
1: yeah so as as of right now um you know until i start um you know i should probably get involved on twitter and stuff like that but uh you know until then um, you can just check for any relevant stuff on my Facebook because as progress starts happening, I'll post on there. So uh, my full name is Michael Edward Pontarelli Jr. Because um, my father is just Michael Edward Pontarelli. So. Well, I would hope
0: so. I mean, I I, I, I I, think the audience is smart enough to figure out that Jr. doesn't mean we're talking about... Of- Junior doesn't mean we're talking about a Wendy's bacon baconator junior, okay?
1: I just i I wanted to specify just so they don't see this you know chubby older guy instead and go this is him. Well,
0: <laughs> much much respect to your dad. Um, all right, so and I'll have uh I'll have Michael or Michael I'll have Mikey's uh full name because I call him Mikey. I'll have his uh, entire name in the description as well. So if you have trouble spelling Ponarelli, because that's just, that's a fucking Jeopardy question right there. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm Italian. I don't don't know what you want. Jesus Christ. I just want an easy last name. Green. Uh, Eddie Green. (laughs) Well, not all of us are perfect angels sent from heaven like you. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Um. So yeah, that's awesome. You know, and uh, and and Mikey has my support, and uh, if you know if he ever needs anything, like he's gonna send me the script when it's done. I'm gonna look over yeah. it and whatnot.
1: Yeah, and vice versa. Obviously, uh, I love what Eddie's doing with this podcast. So if you ever need me for any help or any more guest appearances, I'm there. So all right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So all right, here we go
1: guys. We're going to um, we're going to get into this and this is
0: just a free form discussion, but I wanted to kick it off with I I originally planned to uh have these topics covered with another guest and uh come time for the actual appearance on the podcast, they um they had to reschedule. So Um, I then dedicated the questions and the topics to Mikey. So the first thing when I was telling him about coming on, I was like, I want you because I already have it and I want to, you know, go back and forth with you. I I want you to figure out between the first and second films, your top five favorite scenes. So it can be from either the first or the second and it's scenes. And, um, we're gonna go through that. We're gonna we're gonna start at five, and uh, because Mikey is the guest, he will uh, go first, and he'll mm-hmm. give me his five, and he'll just talk as long as he wants about it, and then I'll give my five, and we'll just keep alternating that way, so until we get to okay. our number one scene.
1: Okay, so, so
0: I actually, what is your number five?
1: Oh, so I'm starting from. Are they in any particular order, or like lowest to highest? Or... I didn't really rank these.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, number five, I would assume, is like out of the the five, it's your least favorite. So, okay, so you
1: know, let's start from number six, actually, because this isn't really a scene, but it's just a funny moment. I do have like five scenes. But, um, okay. so at number six, right, I'm, I'm tacking one on here is the, <laughs> I just love it because I think it's unintentionally humorous. Is, uh, when the car crashes in the police station in the first movie, um, see, For some reason, the tagline everyone knows is, I'll be back, right? Um, But I don't care about that scene because of the catchphrase. I care about it because he just walks in, straight face, says that one line, walks out, and then we get a shot of a car just crashing into the building. (laughs) And it's like, I feel like I'm supposed to be, like, shocked at at this scene, but I'm not. I'm just
0: laughing. Well, that is interesting it, 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 because it's almost, it is, it is oddly humorous because of the way you describe it.
1: Yeah. Uh, and imagine you're like a bank teller, right? And someone's like, I'd like to make a deposit. And the bank teller's like, uh, I'm sorry, but, um, you know, we just, there's, there's a problem with your account. We can't do that right now. And they're just like, give me one second. And then they just crash into the fucking bank. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, see, this is back in the this is back in the day when they didn't have those uh, because nowadays it seems like everything that you can crash into with your car has those yellow fucking poles in front of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine the Terminator in 2018. I'll be back, and then he tries it again, but it's just like security camera footage of him outside ramming into the poles and stopping. Right. Yeah, it wouldn't work, but that is a uh, that. It is ironic that you chose that because um, I I feel like that scene is a lot of people's one of their favorite scenes because of that, that iconic line. And talk a little bit about that, because you went into the Terminator very recently. We watched it and you knew Uh about this. You knew about this line. You knew about the prestige related to I'll be back. And when it happened, you you you. You told me that you felt like it was like that. How did that become that famous of a line? Because it's such a it's such a casual line. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Like here's my thing, and hopefully I'm not pissing too many of you guys off. Um, but like, it just seems like it's just it's just a throwaway piece of dialogue. Like it matters, right? Because you know every piece of dialogue matters in some way, but it's not of relevance. He's speaking literally. I'll be back he He came back in a car through the building. He did what he said he'd do um but it's just like to me that's not like the um you know the the precipice of like how badass he is like I could think of several scenes that are more memorable and sure they don't necessarily have like a tagline to them, but like when I think of Terminator, I don't think of. That scene, I think of like you know the moments right after that where he's like terrorizing this police station, murdering all these like innocent people, right? Yeah. Uh, to me, it's just uh, it, 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 but it's just it's so strange
0: how that stuck, and then of now, now it works because of the way Arnold has kind of made it literally everything he does he almost comes back to it because it's such a great thing because you can be like him where he became governor and then when he came back to movies he 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 said I told you I'd be back and it's just it works in such a a lot of different contexts but it's so weird yeah. that it started there and it's such a casual deadpan line that audiences were like
1: enthralled by it it, it is weird yeah it's interesting for sure um but i'll i'll move on to my actual top five that's just like a i don't know it's like a funny moment to me
0: that's great Uh, yeah honorable mention
1: yeah so i had i had like i had like key words to help me remember these scenes so it was it was uh car murder uh what is it yeah car murder road hospital thugs ending okay okay so i did car so now road so here's number five um or no i'll do i'll do murder first that will be my number five so in the first movie um i love 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 the atmosphere they do one hell of a job with like creating really good shots uh awesome color like the color correction on this movie i love um and all of these different like variables working together in tandem creates one amazing atmosphere throughout the entire movie. And one scene that I think particularly showcases that is when he breaks into the main character's friend's apartment. Um, It's the scene where she's like, I don't know, she just finished like having sex with her boyfriend or something, I think. Yeah. And she comes out to make herself a sandwich. And it is like, it's funny. Cause this is an older movie and you'd think with like, can you still hear me? Yeah, sorry, I heard a weird noise. You'd think with like older effects and stuff, um, this movie couldn't jar you. But in this scene, I was like frightened. Like he's standing so powerfully tall above her as she's like bleeding, crawling, trying to get away. And the score accents like this horror so well. Um, it's honestly one of my favorite movies because it just not movies. One of my favorite scenes because it just showcases Cameron's directing so well. I love it.
0: That is a great scene. That that because um, that's um, that is uh, uh, Bess Mota, who I've actually reached out to to get on the show. Uh, she plays Ginger. That's her name. And um, I reached out to her, and I um, have yet to hear back from her. But uh, um, I would love to get her on there because I I want to talk about obviously her entire role in the film. But that is definitely her standout scene just yeah. Be that, amazing. yeah that scene showcases the why the terminator is really you could classify it as
1: a horror film because it is legitimately scary it's yeah, less so in in t2 but absolutely oh, yeah. in, in the first movie the horror elements are very prevalent and it's just it's just really nice it it's is. not just an action movie right like it's scary yeah Yeah. And, uh, yeah, everything you said is true. So
0: that's a great number five. I love it. Um, awesome. Number five for me is actually, uh, from T2. It's not from the first film. It's, I didn't need any keywords for this because I literally have this embedded in my head. These are my top five scenes. They always have been this for as long as I can
1: remember movies. Like how many, how many times now (laughs) I can only true.
0: Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, Number five for me is in Terminator two when Sarah has just attempted to kill Miles Dyson and she doesn't. And everybody is just there in the, like in the house. And it's had this not happened, who knows what would have happened because it's literally two shell shocked people plus the wife and, and kids and whatnot. But It's Mm -hmm. Miles and Sarah and they are shell shocked. Then in comes John and the T-800. And what follows is is of the the focus of this scene for me. It's when John whips out the knife and says, show him. And you just know something is going to happen if this is your first time seeing it, but you don't know what's going to happen. And Arnold, just very casually, because he's a Terminator, so he doesn't do anything with anything other than just casualness, just reaches over and starts slicing the skin off of his arm, and it leaves a blood trail. And he rips the flesh off of his left arm, and the look on Miles Dyson's face over, holy fucking shit, this is what I'm creating, and it's right in front of me, yet I haven't created it.
1: That's an, amazing, that's, wow, that's an amazing
0: scene. That scene for so many reasons, because you said in your number five, the, the masterfulness of Cameron, you cannot deny Cameron's master of the craft. And Absolutely. on top of that, on top of it, not one bit of that is CGI. Every single shot, that is a practical animatronic created by Stan Winston that 100% looks like it's Arnold's actual arm that he is tearing off.
1: <laughs> really good,
0: because uh,
1: those are all practical effects. So really good.
0: Yeah, it's it's just because if you were to do that now, that scene easily would be done with CGI. computers, CGI to
1: shit, and it yeah. wouldn't. Yep.
0: And and I'm not bashing computer generated like like effects and whatnot. There's such a lovely factor. I, I I say this time and time again. When you can do something practical, because it's it's yeah. actual it's actual craftsmanship. It's not just yeah. sitting at your desk, typing code and, and doing whatever it's, it's, it's problem solving. And it's not like you don't have to problem solve when you're doing CGI, but it's on a different level for me. And uh-huh. on top of that, you just have the look of miles Dyson and yeah. the amazing. amazing actor. Oh my God. Joe Morton. Again, I've reached out to him as well. Um, Oh man, if I could get him on here, I would, oh, oh fuck.
1: My gosh, I'd be so jealous.
0: He is, he is, he is a great underrated actor who doesn't, I don't know if he's working that much these days, but man, back in the nineties, Terminator two. And he also did, um, he also did speed with Keanu Reeves and, uh, uh, Sandra Bullock. And he was so great in that. And he's just a great actor, but Miles Dyson is my favorite role of his. And he's just so great in that scene, the, the, the conflict because you see the almost dead look in his eyes of oh my god this is mine this is what I'm working towards and then the scene following is of course the explanation of yeah. the, the, the 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 not good side of what you're creating and Sarah says that great line of you know it's it's men like you that created the hydrogen bomb it's men like you yeah. that think up this
1: shit and... that's a really good line too because you know science gets abused all the time like there's plenty there's plenty of scientists who are well-intentioned this is th- that's what i love about some of the themes uh to cameron's movies is they they directly correlate with real life like yeah it's sci-fi but the the themes are relevant and you know plenty of scientists well-intentioned uh try to better humanity with their inventions and then unfortunately what sparks technological advance the most aren't these well-intentioned people but it's war like that's where we've gotten a lot of our um advances is through war and that's why things like the hydrogen bomb are made
0: yeah it's it's a shame you know i mean it really is and that's essentially one of the themes of terminator 2 is 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 uh you know the
1: creation of technology and and, and, really is dangerous. And we're slowly we're slowly exiting the fact um, that these movies are sci-fi, right? Like we're getting closer and closer to that mark where it's like, no, it's not even really a movie anymore. It's just what we're living.
0: Yeah, it's scary, man. But uh, just that scene is is so great. And so that that scene deserves a spot on this list. And that scene is number five.
1: Absolutely. All right, go. Number four. Number four. Let's hit it up. So so my next keyword was kids. So, so to explain why I like this scene, because you might think, well, this is just a funny scene. Why do you care so much? I care so much because one of my favorite things about T2 is that it's not just about the cool robots fighting, right? It's not just about the guns that are being shot. It's also about the character development and uh, the director, James Cameron does an amazing job of picking moments to determine, okay, this is going to be where our chase scene is. This is going to be where the action happens, but this is going to be where we slow down and we learn more about the characters and we connect with them more. And one of those moments is when he's freaking out because um, um, what, what's the model called in T2?
0: The villain?
1: Yeah. Well no, not the, the, the T- villain. The 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 Arnold Schwarzenegger model. Oh the T eight hundred. T eight hundred, thank you. So the T eight hundred is like grabbing him by the arm in this alleyway of sorts, and then these guys are like, hey, leave him alone, right? And then um the T eight hundred starts like uh kicking their asses and he's like, Wait, stop <laughs> Um and then we have a whole scene of him like talking to this robot but at the same time he's connecting with them and he's and he's forming like a relationship with him and he's like realizing like oh I'm like this thing's master and it's just such a funny scene uh because Arnold just plays it so straight and it's because he plays it so straight and deadpan that everything he does is hysterical so that's my that's my number four is cause it's just one of those moments where we get to see that bond start to form.
0: Yeah. That scene is great because you have uh my favorite moment in like if I were to pick a moment in that scene is when he says, Put the gun down now exactly. and then he just, think of he just yeah. casually just puts the gun <laughs> he down. Just... He doesn't drop it. <laughs> he just lower he
1: just bends down, drops it, and sits right back up. It's so yeah. funny. Uh, that scene is yeah, great. So that's my number four.
0: That scene's great, and uh, number four for me is from the first Terminator because um, I wanted to kind of always alternate because I I love the first films just a smidgen more. And mm-hmm. number four for me is the explanation of essentially what is the plot of the film and what is going on, the backstory to all this. And it's all done immediately following Kyle saving Sarah from the club and they get in the car and they find a garage. And this is, again, to piggyback off of what you just said, Cameron, even in 84, knew when to do everything. And he knew that even if I have to explain stuff, because part of the scene actually takes place in motion, a lot of the, or ex- mm-hmm. um, a lot of the, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, like, uh, start, like insight that you need. What is that called? Exposition. Uh, there we go. Uh, exposition. Um, yeah. a, a lot of this exposition is done with motion going on. So, mm-hmm. Kyle is, telling Sarah, listen, I didn't know that that was a Terminator because blah, blah, blah. I had to wait until he moved on you. And this is why. Because there is a future war that is going to happen. And in that war, your son is going to be of the utmost importance. And none of this has happened yet. But you have to believe me because... And then there's their... it's It's the great line of... Listen... And understand that thing, that Terminator is out there. It doesn't feel pity. It doesn't feel remorse. And it will not stop until you are dead. And it's just the dialogue and the, and, and the way Michael Bean delivers it. And, oh, yeah. And, and, and the heaviness of this scene because it's so much. If you go into this movie for the first time not knowing what you're watching – there's a lot to take in here and it's all done to the point where you understand it and you're 100% intrigued because who wouldn't be intrigued by this? I mean, it's a, it's a survival story. It's a, it's a foretelling kind of story of, of doom that could be in the future, but you can, you can alter it, which the first film almost dabbled in, but James Cameron wanted to, really keep it in the present just in case there was never a sequel so he didn't want to really dabble too much with the whole changing the future but mm-hmm. it was it, it was definitely planted the little seed of you can alter your 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 life if you if you choose to and if you know that something is going to happen you can attempt to you know avert it and it's just it's so great just a lot of people complain that James Cameron doesn't know how to write dialogue. And this is something when I was talking to William Wisher, which as of right now, this episode has not been released. My 90 minute uh, one-on-one with William Wisher, who co-wrote T2. But when I, when, I, when I was talking to him, I brought up the fact that every Cameron film has been written, credited to just Cameron, except for Terminator and Terminator 2. And I asked him, "Why do you think that is? Why do you think James Cameron had co-writers on only the Terminator movies and, no, and none of his other films? And I don't want to spoil anything and like give it uh, the episode away, but he gave a great, uh, like a great reasoning, and Cameron knows how to write. He knows how to write good dialogue, he knows how to make people care. and, and I think this this scene in the garage where uh, Kyle is just telling Sarah everything she needs to know is a great example of that because it's, it's, it's very easy. I think to do a, do an exposition scene and do it very
1: wrong. Do like, just do it. Not good. And he's, and, and he, it's really smart to have things happening in the background or stakes happening while this exposition is being delivered because it is so easy To let your movie get dragged down by having to spoon feed or hold the hand of your audience and be like, okay, this is what's happening in this film. Make sure you know this. Otherwise, the rest of the movie won't make sense. So it's just so smart to have the stakes of, oh, we got to get the hell away. And now the audience is worried and focused on that while they're learning about that exposition. It's just really smart. Exactly. Yeah.
0: That's the way you do it. Correct. That's what I was saying. You can do it wrong. And you just said how you do it wrong.
1: So exactly. Uh, if you, if you, if you really want to make sure your audience is not immersed anymore, do a flashback or do like a, well, not all flashbacks are bad. So I shouldn't be that broad, but I mean, like basically just stick a camera in an actor's face and let them talk for five minutes about, Oh this is what's happened the past 2 years or or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, like a flashback when you said it like that that is a lot of times a very uh misused way to do exposition and uh it's kind
1: of a lazy way to do it because you need to have faith in your script and you need to have faith in your characters and if your characters just follow their motivations and do exactly what it is they're supposed to then you'll understand that background story just by them being themselves
0: our last three scenes these are the top three scenes from terminator one and two that we think are the best and mikey is going to kick it off with number three what is the key word for this one
1: the key word for number three is road road okay so road can you guess what it is um
0: it's it's vague there's a lot of roads in uh both of these movies
1: it's the scene it is the chase scene where um the the villain is in that huge truck and uh the t-800 and john connor on the motorcycle drive uh trying to escape that scene, so it's funny cause I just talked about, and by the way, I apologize cause you've been going back and forth between the two movies. The rest of my favorite moments are from the second movie. I haven't made it uh, a secret that I like the second one more than the first, um, but the the murder scene, I just did have to include cause it was, it was so good. Uh, but yeah, all, all my other favorite moments will be from the second movie. But now focusing back on the chase scene, even though I like this movie, for everything that doesn't involve the action, God, is the action in this movie executed so well? It's just like it's not fun when I just see explosions on screen, like like explosion after explosion, or um, just gun firing after gun firing. Like you need you need creativity in everything you're doing in your film. And that includes your your shots from your camera, and that includes you know why what the motivation for the action carnage is you know all all things like that adam greenberg i believe is a cinematographer yes correct yes Adam greenberg, um i'm actually apparently he was nominated for an academy rightfully so for an academy award for best cinematography in 1992 for this movie um and that is again well deserved because that whole scene is so fantastic, the sh- the angles that he gets, um, just and he and he and the direction from Cameron too, he's so good at telling a story visually, um, efficiently, right? And I talked about this on that episode where we were, uh, when we were actually watching that scene, I was like. It's just, they're not, they're not super long shots. It's like, you know, cut to the truck, breaks open the windshield, right? Cut back to them, see their reaction. Everything about this scene, again, showcases amazing direction, amazing cinematography. You need to make your audience feel the tension at all times, whether it's emotional tension, actual danger of dying tension, the the audience needs to feel it. And I feel my heart racing every time that scene plays it's so good
0: it is good and and what complements that scene is the, is the score from Brad Fidel. just yeah. the the so do, 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 do. it's just such a kinetic score and and the, both movies have great scores but i mean you know terminator 2's score was such an improvement over the first one and i love the first I agree. I love the first score of how simple and synthy it is, but there is a, um, there is a quality to the second film that you just tell like you, like, like everything in that movie, he was given probably just more freedom and, and had more time. And like, are you counting like from like, where are you starting
1: with that scene and ending with that scene? Like I'm starting right when the truck enters frame and ends when the, ch- the chase is over because i love the entirety of it okay okay um because again it'd be so easy to make this scene boring but every part of it is exciting you see like innocent people driving on the road get absolutely demolished and and this truck is just plowing through them and this is obviously before they got to the bridge um and it's like you see that happen and then it's like holy crap this this shape shifting monster is just not giving one single care for these lives he's just demolishing, and that just adds to the fear of the scene. Is like, do not let this guy catch up to you, because if he does, you are dead.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's it's all a lot of it is practical again stuff you will not get or you are you're hard pressed to find these days of them actually. Taking a truck and flying it off of a bridge, crashing it into a canal and 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 pushing it under a tunnel where the top gets ripped off and and, and he just pops back up again and you're like, Holy crap. Like <laughs> he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like it would have mattered really if he had actually been hit by the thing because more than likely he would have all still been in the trucks kind of area like he wouldn't have because he would have turned into the to the like the liquid yeah. metal shit so he could have very easily just
1: come back together but how much of an unstoppable force he is
0: yeah yeah that was probably just done to save money and because they were like ah well we don't need him to use his morphing ability yeah. right here so yeah. we'll just have him
1: duck i um, think it's even more effective that way because it's like oh did we get him and then, nope, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is great. Um, and again,
0: what's great about it is up until that point, up until that point, the only real clue of what the T-1000 is even capable of is in the hallway when he gets shot. Yeah. And then you see the bullets kind of go away in his chest. They Like, he he, he uses his ability to get rid of the holes in his chest. And you're not very familiar assuming because now, now everybody knows about it. So, but you have to remember back in the time it was released, people were not familiar with what this was going to be like. So when they saw that, they were like, what the fuck? Like they probably like people were probably taken aback and then the, the action kept going. So they weren't familiar with what exactly the T-1000 was capable of until the end of that chase when he walks Hmm. out of the fire and he's 100% liquid metal walking and then he forms back into the robert patrick uh outer shell that we know right oh so good man that's a great scene and i was thinking about putting that on, on on like the list because that is one of the standout scenes in terminator 2 but for my number three um it's going to be from the first film again, and uh, I I tried to balance between one and two, but I think one wins out by one scene. So, but um, number three for me is the arrival in number one, and it's so great because of of and and I'm counting from when we see the truck, like the 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 garbage truck, doing its daily nightly routine up until the end when he kills the punks and steals their clothes. That's where I'm counting this from. So, okay. You just have the truck driver just doing his normal shit. And then all of a sudden you start seeing these flashes and, uh, there's a great line in there that I love because the truck doesn't like it stops working right before the T 800 arrives. And the, (laughs) and the guy, the actor, I assume it's the actor. Um, when the truck stops, he like starts turning the key, and he's like, "What the hell, goddamn son of a bitch! What the hell?" <laughs> great impression. It's so great. I just, I love that. What the hell? Um, wow. Yeah, it's so great. And then, oh my god! Like, this is a th- this is number three because one, I said the Terminator two score was an improvement. I didn't say it was my favorite. Everything in the first film is my favorite. The score mm-hmm. that starts this movie, because this is really the like the score of the first appearance of the of the T eight hundred of the Terminator, which the, the score is designed to sound like a cyborg's heartbeat. That's what it's supposed to represent. The Oh wow, I never knew that. Yeah, it's it, it's supposed to be a representation if it had a heartbeat of what it might sound like. And it was the.
1: That's cool.
0: And it's just the. That's really cool. Wow, And you see the mass hulking form that is Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1984. And you realize why this is a horror film because he is, 100 percent intimidating this is a thing that i can never decide who is the better villain is it arnold in the first film or is it robert patrick in the second film i don't know. you know what's
1: funny you know it's funny my my the second movie is my favorite and i like uh a lot of the elements of the second movie over the first but to answer that question i think it's arnold from the first movie arnold scares me like So many scenes, it's like, holy fuck, like the scene um, where Sarah Connor is uh, at that club and he just and as soon as he recognizes her, like sheer terror. And then again, the murder scene I described earlier, then again in the police station and then just again and again and again, he's this horrifying just beast. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's and it's such a shame that he never came back to that when he could because when he came back to like a villain role that was in Batman and Robin. And we all know where that went. And (laughs) I I didn't expect that. reference. Yeah. With the, with the fucking 20,000 ice puns, like, Oh my God, that was so bad. (laughs) God damn it. But anyways, it's such a shame that he really never, He never explored more antagonistic roles because he was a fucking amazing antagonist. And this is the start of you realizing that because he stands up and he's, this is, this is why the Terminator is his perfect role because Arnold is not, Arnold is not a great actor. Nobody, nobody Mm -hmm. has ever said that. And if you have said that you're blind, he is not a great Uh, actor.
1: Sorry guys. He's, he's he's a very low ranged like he's good at he's good at a couple things and he's really good at those couple things but outside of it no
0: <laughs> yeah and i can say this because i've seen him do now in his 70s and 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 late 60s doing trying to venture into the drama and it just does not work because of His limited range, and essentially because of the the legacy that he built his name around, so it's very hard for audiences, myself included, to disassociate Arnold from that, and then be like, "Okay, I'm going to
1: extremely
0: strong accent that probably gets in the way too. It does, and but but now because he was very worried about that at the beginning of his career, now he just embraces it. He doesn't care about it. That he knows that's his trademark, and that's why people go. But it is funny because. You watch these movies that he does that are supposed to be dramatic, and you're supposed to really focus on these characters. And the second he walks on screen, I'm like, I'm watching Arnold Schwarzenegger try to do something. And <laughs> yeah. it just doesn't work. But, anyways, the scene just continues. He looks around, he's deadpan again, why he's perfect for it, because he doesn't have that range of emotion. But it's beautiful. And then he approaches the punks. And it's Bill Paxton, rest in peace Bill Paxton, who stands out amongst the three of them, and he and he's in, you know, nice night for a walk, eh? And and Arnold just repeats it. Nice night for a walk. And then Bill Paxton with the whole, hey, I think this guy is a couple cans short of a six-pack. It's just... It's that cheesy dialogue, but it, it, it fits because of the, the mood, and I mean, fucking Bill Paxton has like a tire streak down his face for whatever reason. And... <laughs> and then he just yeah. and then he just kills them and he does it so ruthlessly and it's and it's cut to perfection because you yep. get the blood and gore but you don't see everything and obviously that was for production reasons but it works because it keeps it in the shadows it keeps the the real lethalness of this thing kind of hidden he just plunges through a man's chest and rips his heart out and he's holding it and it's just all lethal. Fuck. and it's just so great and it's intense and arnold is he 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 never reached that intensity ever again and it's fucking great
1: i love it good pick
0: Fuck yeah all right number two number two we're getting down to this here we go what is number two uh i
1: struggle to decide which one i should put at number one right now but Think
0: about it, think about it, because this is the best scenes in your case
1: in Terminator 2. Both of these scenes in my head, right, are amazing. I just, I know one in my heart must be a little bit better. And okay, everyone needs to understand as an actor, right, and I don't mean to sound pretentious, but as an actor, the best thing you can do for me is like, you know, let's forget about flashiness. Let's forget about, um, let's forget about anything else other than the performance, right? If you just give me an amazing performance, I, I won't even really be worried about how choppy the dialogue might seem or how, um, weird the setting is. I'll just be focused on that performance, Right. And that's why I guess I'm deciding for my number two to be the ending to Terminator 2. I was actually going to put that as my number one moment, you know, since it's such a climactic end, but I'm saving that for my, what I believe to be the top performance. Um, But in number two is the T800 dropping into the the molten, whatever you call it, you know, magma below. Yeah, man. Mm. It's so It's like I said, the other one I'm going to mention is just a bit, bit above this for me. But this scene is incredible. You know, everything that we've been experiencing all leads to this moment. And you think, oh, my God, the bad guy's gone happy we can have our happy ending it's all okay now but that is not what you get at all and the direction is incredible as it is throughout the rest of the movie because it kind of uh tricks you it lures you into this sense of like stability right before this moment just hits you in the chest like a ton of bricks uh and just the performance for everyone in this scene you know uh sarah uh well i'm sorry i mean um Linda Hamilton, I forget who plays the child. Oh, uh, Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong, and then, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's just very emotional and very raw, and I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and again, I mean... That that, That thumbs up kills me every time. Oh, I know, man. Arguably arguably i want to debate this real quick with you because that is honestly that is it's sad it's sad to see it's sad to see him go but it's the fact that right before right before he completely goes he thumbs it up and it's that culmination of fuck that was the best father figure John Connor would ever have in his life. And that's said in the movie at one point by Sarah. And Mm -hmm. now he, and now he can't have it. And it's so, and this is a side note. You just know when, when the, the very unfortunate timing comes that Arnold leaves the earth, that is going to be on every single fucking news program ever. That's going to be the final thing, the fucking thumbs up because it's so symbolic. It's iconic. And it's so, it just, that's what gets me. When I watch that scene, my eyes are tearing a little bit. And then it's the thumbs up. And that's when, if, depending on my mood, that's when, that's when it'll start, sh- like, not like outpouring, but it'll start going down my face because it's just, fuck. Why? Why? Like, we know why, but why? Ah. Uh. story but do you think that that's what i wanted to debate do you think that it would have that impact had he not thumbed it up and he just went down for me
1: well it's it it couldn't be as it couldn't possibly be as impactful without it so i won't say it isn't but i will say it would it would be diminished because you know that thumbs up symbolizes a lot right it's not just like a it's like it's like a dad, like that thumbs up is equivalent to a dad saying, I'm proud of you, son. You know what I mean? And also, like, it, it means so much. It means that it symbolizes the entire relationship. It's also a reference because isn't um, John Connor, the one who teaches him to give a thumbs up? Yeah, yeah. Throughout the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, also, it's also referential to that learning moment they had with each other. It symbolizes all of that in one gesture. So of course, when you see it, you think back to, you just naturally think back to everything that has happened and you're being told it's all, it's all gone. Hmm.
0: (sighs) See, for some reason, I thought that was going to be your number one, but I'm,
1: I'm, I'm curious to know what, what, what could possibly. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, but just, it comes again. I'm, I'm focusing on performances in these last two, right? And it comes just short of the other one I'll mention. But you'll see. Nice. Nice. Alright. Uh, so um,
0: number two for me is from number two. Um, and this is the scene that how do I say this? This is the scene that I think assuming you've seen the first film. If if this scene wasn't in here, I don't know. I think this is the scene that I like to call it gets literally every single person on board. So you might not be a fan of what this, this genre is. You might not be a fan of James Cameron, whatever. But with this scene, like I said, assuming you've made it through the first film and you're like, why do I got to watch the second one? It's the scene where Sarah has finally basically escaped and she's at the elevator and she presses it, waits for it. She's, she knows the guys are coming that are chasing her. And all of a sudden there's the elevator ding. She goes over towards it and it's the beautiful, these last two scenes both incorporate slow motion to the best ability that I think you can do it because slow motion is overused as well. But when you use it right, it works. And it works here because outsteps Arnold. And yeah. what that represents for Sarah, the look on Linda Hamilton's face of no. No. I just maybe even considered that I was fucking nuts. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But fuck. it. It's slow mo. She falls to the ground. She tries to get back, but she's slipping because she can't get a grip on the floor.
1: And Arnold also is just... go ATW, ahead. T W. Sorry, might be a parallel to uh, a bit of a parallel to when her roommate dies. It, there's also slow mo there.
0: Uh, yeah. No, th- uh, there's a lot of slow mo in these movies, and they're all beautiful scenes. Um, but this scene in particular is is beautiful for slow motion because the audience really, because if that scene, like imagine that scene playing out in normal time, it would have just been, he steps out and she goes, no, no. But it's the fact that her voice reverberates through the, it's the, it's the echo. It's the, this is again, this is like where the horror kind of seeps into Terminator 2 because we know the audience, like we know, okay, he's not going to do anything, but she doesn't. And it's just the she runs back and she's like, no, she, she would rather go back from where she was just trying to get out of than even attempt to get through the Terminator. Like she did in the first one, by the end of the movie, she, you know, you're terminated fucker. Like she built up the balls. Now she's fucking yeah. scared again because she hasn't seen this thing for years. So that scene, that scene, that gives me chills when that happens. And that's a scene where I, anytime I show that movie to somebody who hasn't seen it, and when I showed it to you, I I, 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 I caught myself doing it again. I don't watch the screen. I've seen it a million times. I look at the other person and I go, how are you going to react? Because if you don't react the way I reacted, there's something wrong with you. And you, you, <laughs> you had this like, you just
1: had your mouth open and you... Yeah. And I was gonna ask you, because thinking back to the scene, I was like, How did I react? And like I'm like based on how I feel about this scene now, I feel like my face would have looked like a gape. But yeah. like, that's actually how I act.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I mean I think that's one of maybe the only two or three reactions a person can have to it, but that is it. I mean that is if you don't have that face, then this movie is not gonna do like you, like if you're not on board now, you yeah. can't get
1: on board. But you just understand you just understand it's it's like a nightmare that you haven't had for years and years and then that nightmare is in front of you and you're like holy shit and it's a mix of the score it's a mix of again all these variables working in tandem to create magic on screen it's a mix of the score it's a mix of the acting it's a mix of the cinematography it's a mix of the editing it all comes together and you have this perfect encapsulated moment yep so that's
0: That's my number two, and and they both come from Terminator 2. So this is it. This is it. Number one, the all-time scene for you from either film, and you've chosen Terminator 2, what is
1: that scene? Number one scene, my girl, Linda Hamilton, tearing it up in the hospital when she delivers the monologue about how everyone's fucking stupid because they just won't listen to her. Amazing performance. It just feels real. It, feel, it it makes all these like you know unlikely circumstances that are happening feel real to me, right? And it's just so simple. It's just a camera. W- it's a camera with a close up on her face, and she just acts, and it's beautiful. I love this performance. She's so desperate. She's just like, why won't anyone fucking listen to me? Like, pi- picture just y- you have a disagreement with a friend. Think of that frustration you have when you just can't get them to understand your side. And it's like, now think of what you were arguing about was, hey, asshole, the world is going to end and these horrible robots are going to kill us all and everyone is fucking blind and no one's listening and she just captures that feeling on her face and in her vocal delivery it's so good it is it is and
0: i think when you told me that about, about a performance being and i that is where i went that's where i went in my mind I, but i didn't want to yeah. say anything cuz i know but, that, because i yeah. know that you i know that you gravitate towards moments like that and that's awesome that
1: you do they they just they stick out the most in my mind because it's again it's some of my favorite moments are just one or two actors alone in a room and you just see them be their character and that's all linda hamilton is doing such a it's just it showcases her immense character development that she's had between the first movie and the second movie you see how far down this like spiral of insanity she's gone how she's dedicated her mind soul and body to this cause and just you see the madness externalized from her and it's just so good to watch
0: and again if we're gonna say like it's callbacks to i mean that's a direct callback to the first film with kyle and again silberman (laughs) performance
1: i i think linda hamilton's is more noticeable but I'm going to give Kyle his due credit. He does incredible in his scene in the first one. And I'll let you go ahead and explain that.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, there's not... It's just, that's a direct correlation to it. And it's the fact that it's it's also Silberman because he's in the room with Sarah during that scene. So he's just... he's He's essentially the ultimate blind person because he's been in the room with two people and he still doesn't listen. He still doesn't believe, yeah. you know? So... That's what's that's what's so great about Terminator two is the, the 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 callbacks to the first film, but they're not you wouldn't notice them unless you've rewatched them a bunch of times and then been like, oh, wow, that's a direct correlation. Yeah, man, um, it's so great. So that's your list. I fucking love yes. it. And I'm excited I, to hear your first. Essentially my first. I mean, when you compare it to like a performance, there's nothing performance that stands out from it, but it's just it's a, it, it, it's just a scene that it, it may not be of critical importance, but I think it is because it's the scene in uh, the first film where essentially our three characters are now all in the same room for the first time, because up until this point, we've learned of, okay, that's Sarah. That's what she mm-hmm. does. She's a waitress and that's beautiful. And she's very low key, humble, trying to go on a date that gets canceled. Buck. We learn of Kyle very little, but we, but we're, we're starting to associate with Kyle. And if this is our first time seeing it, especially in 84, we don't know. Is he the good guy? Is he the bad guy? Is, is this two bad guys? what like what is this we just know he's a guy and we know a little bit about arnold we can assume he's a bad guy because he does kill the people um so we we're, we're familiar with all these faces and then we start to learn where this story is going to end up going but we're not very familiar with it up until this point where we're in the Technoir club and sarah knows that her that her life is in danger because previously two people with the same name have been killed so she knows fuck i'm next because she looks in the phone book and realizes i'm the last sarah
1: i mentioned the scene i i this is a good who you know you said this wasn't a very critical like performance but like you know it's not all just all about the performance this is just this is a very uh Incredibly put together scenes so this is a good pick
0: yeah it's but what but what gets me is again because of the slow-mo so we got the we got both of them in the in the club we have sarah and we have kyle but she doesn't know it yet because he's kind of snuck in somehow and she didn't see it but now we got arnold because arnold previously went to sarah's apartment killed ginger thinking maybe that's sarah Or maybe we don't really know the motivation behind that. He might have just been trying to get rid of, you know, whoever was in his way. But then the phone rings and it's Sarah saying, Hey, Ginger, you know, uh, there's this guy after me. I mean, I need somebody pick up, you know, and that's when the T-800 because he's in the building realizes, okay, this is, that's the one I want. That is the Sarah that I need. So rummages through her little, um side table takes out her id bam that's perfect goes to the club doesn't even pay and that's such a great part of the scene when he just walks through and they try to send somebody after him and he just breaks his hand or something like squeezes his hand um and he's walking through and there's that great song underneath it and it's called burning in the third degree um Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because I, I've looked on Spotify. I've looked, you know, it's, it's not a readily available song to have to play, but I love the song. You've got me burning. You've got me burning. And it's just, that's going on underneath and you have everybody just, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're doing the eighties dance and shit. They're just living life. And he's going through the club and he's just scanning because he knows she's in here somewhere. And it's the scene this is the moment the scene is great the moment i'm talking about is sarah looks behind her yeah. and there's a little club soda on the table and this is something that i have to stress when you do this in movies and it it pisses me off when you have an antagonist going after a protagonist and they just miss each other it feels a lot of the time it feels very forced and very unorganic and not natural and it's like instead of it being wow they just missed each other it feels of course they missed each other you know and it's this is the this is the scene this is the best organic they just missed each other i've ever seen her elbow knocks the drink off the table what is your natural reaction if you knock something i don't care if you're being chased or not you're going to reach down to pick it up. And it's the slow-mo shot of her going down. And that's when Arnold enters frame looking her direction and he misses her. And it's just, you've got me burning. Yeah, it's so intense. Oh my God. And then she looks up. She doesn't see Arnold. She doesn't know she's afraid of Arnold. She knows she's afraid of Kyle. And she sees Kyle and they make eye contact. And then she looks away and this is all in slow-mo. And then Arnold turns around, Mm -hmm. spots her. And he, and he, I don't know if this was the direction or if this was just Arnold naturally doing it. His head is kind of tilted up when he turns around. And then when, you know, as the audience, he's spotted her, his head goes down as if like, pretending like you have glasses on and you're looking over the rim of the glasses. That's the look he gives. And he just walks toward her slow-mo Kyle sees him walking toward her. Now he's now he figured out this is who I need to go after because he didn't know who he had to go after. He had no knowledge of what they look like. These new terminators. Mm -hmm. This is the guy. And Sarah's just sitting there. She, she doesn't know what she needs to do. She, she, and and the T eight hundred locks his sight on her. The red hits her, hits her forehead. Kyle's pushing people out of his way, all in slow mo. That's so good. And then right as the T eight hundred is about to pull the trigger, bam! Kyle comes in. And fuck! Come on, talk about a scene that is just like. That is a master scene. If every scene that I've met, like that you and I have mentioned is not, and they are, that is a masterful scene that I think, if I were to like make a, like, if I was like a lecturer or a teacher, whatever, a film, put aside my preference of these films, I'd be like, watch the tech noir scene in The First Terminator. And you tell me that that is not a, that is a, not, that's not a masterpiece of a little short film right there. Oh, yeah. God, I'm just oh, like yeah. fucking fanboying right now, reliving it because of it. it's just so great.
1: It's very powerful, very simple, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and, and again, it's that Brad Fidel score, the... It's just... Oh, I, oh, I wanted...
1: I fucking... Uh, seriously. Mm, super iconic.
0: Shit. Uh, wow, man.
1: There we go. There's we our list. That,
0: that is our list. That is uh that is as of what February fifth, two thousand nineteen, and yes, um, for me, it's never going to change because I mean, as much as I hope this next film is great, nothing's going to ever come close to T one and T two. But um, those are my locked in scenes. So, and those are Mikey's locked in scenes. So now the the real question is, everybody listening, if you've made it this far, which I hope you have. What is your top five favorite Terminator or Terminator 2 scenes? Let me know. Hit me up on social media. You know where to find me, T101 Podcast. Um, you can also support the Patreon, patreon.com slash T101 Podcast. And Mikey is going to start getting into the social media game, but oh, you can oh, find sorry. him currently on Facebook and um any last, uh, any last things you want to add before? Because I've kept you long
1: enough. I'll uh, let you get going here. Yeah, no problem. Um, so just to plug this one more time, of course, you can check my Facebook. Uh, as these become available, I will be posting them. But as I mentioned earlier, I have a director friend who I'm working on on a pretty regular basis, working with on a pre- pretty regular basis now. Uh, he's doing a couple short films that I'm going to be a part of. One of them is already finished, just needs to be uh, completely edited. Another one we're going to be filming, uh, starting to film this Friday. Uh, but as those become completed projects, I will post those up so you'll get to see that. Um, there's the film I'll be making, but again, that won't be um, even close to ready until the fall. Uh, but that's it for me. And I'm telling you guys,
0: Mikey is a, he is a, he's truly, phenomenal actor because i'm not just saying that because he's my friend he's somebody that you know just 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 wait and give it you know give it some time he's trying you know he's training right and you look at the greatest of the greats in the world they all trained before and they all they all had to get up to that point so it's you know nothing's given so he's coming up he's somebody to watch for He's, he just has passion, which is what I love about him. And, uh, yeah, we're, 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 we're definitely gonna, um, keep in touch on this short film because I'm very excited for it or this feature length film now.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much. I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, man. And, uh, loved having you on and, um, that's it. So thank you everybody for, for listening and so Yeah. Thank you so much. And, uh, I end every episode or most every episode, I think I've missed one or two, but I love saying this. And, uh, so I'm saying this to you, Mikey, and I'm saying this to everybody else. And then we're just going to cut it right here until I talk to you next time. Keep on terminating.